Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program here on 3CR855 on the AMW podcast all over the WWWs, the World Wide Web, uh, which we need these days. Isn't it fascinating in this coronavirus world? Um, but you are listening to 3CR, which you also need because uh, community radio um, will, will be in the future, I think, one of the only reliable forms of information um, you can get in the world. Uh, 3CR, of course, having a very long tradition of providing information you don't get in other places. Um, here at the Dogs, we are the defenders of government schools, and we've been around for a number of decades now because we need to be. Government schools, not only here in Australia but around the world, are constantly under attack. We had either people disliking teachers and jealous of the holidays they get for some reason, or whether it's a religious institution that doesn't think the state should be involved in education and that all education should be the province of some church or religion or other. And then, of course, there's a third group, which has um, sort of popped its head up quite virulently lately, which is the money-making group. Businessmen love education because it's it's money from the government, which is reliable, and um, there's very little oversight involved in the process of educating children. So business people want to get involved in this. Oh, but the oversight, by the way, the lack of oversight is with private schools. Public schools um, have a great deal of oversight and are accountable not just to their communities, but to the education community um, and to educate children to an appropriate and golden standard. Private schools have no such obligation. But here are the dogs. We keep going. Um, even through these covidness times. But, of course, today we'll be talking not just about educational issues um, and the defending government schools in Australia, but we'll be talking about what's, a little bit about what's going on in the United Kingdom at the moment because, well, people talk about disruptive entrepreneurship or disruptive technologies. I can tell you there's a virus going around the moment that's pretty disruptive at the moment. And horrifically, some people are trying to take advantage of that for their own benefit, not for the benefit of everyone around them, which I think is um, an equitable thing to do, and they're doing that in the education sector in the United Kingdom. We'd like to highlight that because whatever happens in the UK tends to happen in Australia eventually. We are slaves to the fashions of Anglo nations in the Northern Hemisphere, be it the UK or or the the United States. Before we go any further, we, of course, must start with the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools press release number 851. Now, these press releases are world famous. So if you just tuned in, tune in for it, I'll actually get out of the way because James' press release is worth hearing. It's entitled, COVID Times Expose Need for Public Education and Bankruptcy for Private School Businesses. Tell us more, Jane. Yes. Uh, thank you, Robert. In the times of plague, the strength of the country's resilience, if not its survival, is directly related to the strength of their public services. And haven't we been finding this out in the last few weeks? In particular, our health and our education facilities have come into their own. The inherent weaknesses of the privatisation strategies of neoliberal, conservative and Labor governments of the last few decades have resuscitated the private sector, 
which is designed for an 18th century aristocracy <coughs> religious hierarchy. And the inadequacies of this have been laid bare in both the UK and Australia with some very interesting results, which we'll be talking about later today. At the beginning of the crisis, the private schools in the UK started to price fix their fees and they received a slap on the hand from the competition watchdog. I don't know whether this has been happening in Australia or not because uh, (laughs) these things are done rather secretly in this country. And on the 29th of April, the Guardian told us that the competition's watchdog issued a strongly worded warning to private schools in the United Kingdom, threatening hefty fines if they're found to be price-fixing during the crisis. Now, we'll hear a bit more about this particular event uh, on the 29th of April, a bit later in the program, from someone who's taught in, in the UK and understands the, the system there much better than, say, a person like I would. Now, in the United Kingdom, the private schools that have survived the Depression to date are actually those who have semi-converted into being state schools. Uh, we're told in the Guardian of July the 18th, that's just in this last week, 2020, then there have been 32 private schools that have moved into the state sector since 2010. And they're very happy with what has happened there. In the past few months, though, at least nine private schools have closed because they didn't go into the state sector. And the, one of these actual schools was Boris Johnson's old prep school at Ashdown House in Forest Row, East Sussex. And there's hundreds more in the UK that depend for their survival on the fees of the hollowed-out middle class that have just lost their jobs uh, that are in danger of not surviving. So there is a question, what's going to happen to all of these schools that are private, that depend upon their business plan and the fees of aspirational middle-class parents. What's going to happen to them? Their business plan's in tatters. And, of course, they expect the state to help them out, but has the state got the money? They're all very interesting. Now, it should be noted that the English nationalisation experiment from 2010 is only a halfway house towards proper public provision. These pseudo-private, pseudo-public schools are only public in funding, access and a bit of accountability. They are not always public in either ownership or control. Meanwhile, back in Australia, we discover from the Murdoch Press on July the 19th, 2020, Surprise, surprise, that our private schools, including Geelong Grammar, at the front line, are at the front line for any COVID subsidies from Canberra or from Mr Andrews government for that matter. If it's there, they will try and pick it up. In particular, the job keeper subsidy designed to help struggling businesses. So, 
where the university academics, most of them casualised, can't get this JobKeeper subsidy and can starve. The teachers at Geelong Grammar and a lot of the other schools will be able to get their JobKeeper supplement. And this raises the question, how many of our heavily subsidised private schools are now failing businesses? Useless, if not dangerous, for the future well-being and education of our next generation. And the further question of that is, is the money going to be put into the public schools to um, pay for all of these new enrolments that will be coming into what was supposed to be a wastebasket system as far as these fee-paying middle-class aspirational parents were concerned. I think Robert in a previous uh, program of the dogs has called them Karens are coming. So in the last week, we've discovered that due to a decline in enrolments, Xavier College no, that's not the Xavier out at Kew. It's the Xavier, which is a prep school in Brighton, is closing its doors and are probably going to sell off some of the most valuable real estate in Melbourne. So this large Catholic school emailed parents last Wednesday to confirm the very difficult but necessary closure at the end of the year. Now, this Brighton campus, this prep school campus, is staffed by 45 people. It's attended by 220 students from early years to year eight. I remember back in the 1990s, if there was only 220 students in a school, then Mr Kennett would close it, if it was a public school, that is. Now, this school is co-ed until grade four, then it becomes Boys only. Very interesting. They said in a letter to parents that it was extremely committed to ensuring that 2021, as the final year of education at Costco Hall, is a year of celebration, the one that students and families will never forget. Well, the funds from the sale of this place, this Xavier place in Brighton, called Costa Hall, is going to be used to support new buildings and significant capital works at both the Kew campuses, as well as contributing to ongoing bursaries for future Xavier students. So it's going to be used uh, for the uh, resources boom out at the Kew campus. The school said in a recent review that they had observed the difficult contemporary realities of which some decline in enrolments at this place was one of a number of factors. And they concluded that the ongoing needs of the college and its students are not best served by maintaining campuses across Brighton and Kew. Now, Xavier charges... $33,000 for local Year 12 students per year. It would be charging a bit less for these boys uh, in prep to grade 8, but they're the kinds of fees that they're charging. They're not as great as those, say, 
Geelong Grammar, which for boarding students can go up to 62,000 a year. But um, it's very selective if you actually look at the amount of fees, isn't it? But the more basic question, there are a lot more basic questions. What's going to happen or what should happen to this school if it's closed? Because the taxpayers have been pouring money into it for years. And the other more basic question is, is it time to cut the private business operators loose from the taxpayers' teeth and make all of these private schools that are having problems with their business plans at the moment into public schools? If we pay for them, then doesn't it follow that all Australian children should be able to use them? So that's the dog's position, that if we pay particularly substantially for a private school, it should be nationalised. It should be open to all children. It should be public in purpose and outcome. It should be public in access to all the children in the local area. Uh, and it should be owned and controlled by the public. It should also be accountable for every penny that is spent on taxpayers' money on that campus. So that's our press release 51, uh, sorry, 851. And we'll have a bit of a break and then we'll come back and Dale and Robert will flesh out some of the uh, issues that have been touched on by this press release. Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03-9419-8377. Each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's 03-9419-8377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. CR is your station in solidarity and struggle. We've been with you since 1976 and we are here to stay. Throughout June, we're running a station appeal. We need the financial support of our listeners to stay independent, community-owned and radical. Jump online and give what you can. Go to 3cr.org.au. To help stop the spread of viruses like flu and coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose. Prepare food or eat. Care for someone sick, touch your face or use the toilet. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Yes, well, here we are back on the dogs program on 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial every Saturday at 12 noon. And uh, we have just been talking about the problems that the private schools have been having both in the United Kingdom and in Australia in the COVIDness times, in times of plague, as the middle classes lose their jobs and can no longer pay fees. The business plans of our private schools are somewhat awry, even for the wealthy schools like Xavier. 
And Dale is now going to uh, tell you a little bit more about this. Yes, uh, there's, I've got an article here from Madeleine Heffernan uh, saying, uh, the decline in enrolments forces Xavier College to close the, their 83-year-old campus. One of Victoria's oldest and most expensive schools, Xavier College, is shutting its 83-year-old Brighton campus to boost cash and in the face of declining enrolments. The large Catholic school emailed parents on Wednesday to confirm the very difficult but necessary closure at the end of next year. The Brighton campus is staffed by 45 people and attended by 220 students from early years to year eight. It is co-ed until grade four and then becomes boys only. Xavier College said in a letter to parents that it was extremely committed to ensuring that 2021 as the final year of education at Costco Hall is a year of celebration and one that students and families will never forget. Funds from the sale of Costco Hall will be used to support new buildings and significant capital works at both Q campuses as well as contributing to ongoing bursaries for future Xavier students, the letter said. The school said a recent review observed difficult contemporary facility, uh, difficult contemporary realities, of which some decline in enrolments at Costco Hall was one of a number of factors, and concluded the ongoing needs of the college and its students are not best served by maintaining campuses across Brighton and Kew. Xavier is 142 years old and charges more than $33,000 for local Year 12 students. Its alumni include former Labor leader Bill Shorten. And there's some comments that came after that article. Steve Peacock says, I'd like to know if the church was gifted this land by the state government as land for private schools was back in the day. If it was and the land is no longer going to be used for the public good, then the land should be returned to the public, not sold. I asked the age journalist to actually research this, please. And Not Good Enough says, this will be an ideal site for the government to buy, to build some affordable or commissioned housing. And then Emmanuel Can says, uh, good, perhaps the school might disappear altogether. Then Eamon J. O2 says, another Catholic building bites the dust in the big sell-off. No doubt this was built with parishioners' money, as were all the other church schools and schools that oh, have bitten yeah, the dust? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to stop you there. I think, I think MJNO2's got the wrong idea. Not you, Dale. I think MJNO2's actually full of it. That school has been maintained. I, I don't know who built it because it's a historic building. It's definitely been maintained, not necessarily just by parishioners' money or parents' money. It's been capital works grants have gone into it, which is federal government money. State government money for capital works has gone into it. Remember, remember school revolutions where all the private schools had to get the money the state schools did? That went into it. My money's in that building and I want it back. If they're selling it, it's not actually theirs to sell. Now, while M. Jan Su says, yes, great, the whole thing's biting the dust, but quite frankly, it's my money they're using and I think it should go straight back. And I do think when it comes to it, your first commenter had the point. And the point was, um, yeah, who owns this? I mean, were they given it by the government in the first place, like Mandeville Hall was? 
like Turat was with their Glamorgan campus. Now, what's actually going on here is really simple. The very, very, very top schools of which Trinity consider themselves and Mandeville Hall, of course, Geelong Grammar, have prep schools in Melbourne for the not-so-smart but the kids who live there. So you can send your child to Geelong Grammar in Turak. You can go to their Glamorgan campus, which they run separately to all their other campuses, so that prep to year eight kids can get themselves a leg up into the, when it comes to going to the school proper. Mandeville Hall do this down on the Air River. It's the most beautiful property you've ever seen. And Glamorgan itself is absolutely stunning. What they're doing here is the Trinity are now dropping out of the absolute top tier because they used to provide this service to their cashed up clients, but their cashed up clients have wandered off. Their cashed up clients aren't coming to Trinity anymore. And it's no longer a money maker because this is getting money out of the aspirations of not particularly intelligent children who have families with vast amounts of money. Vast amounts of money. If we're talking so about Trinity, Xavier, Xavier, not Trinity. Oh, sorry, Xavier, sorry, Xavier, yes, you're right. Xavier College, not Trinity, my error, are dropping out of this because they see the writing on the wall. I think that's true strategically a very good move because the Karens, when they come, won't be spending money on that. Thank you very much. No siree. The Karens, when they come, just want the results. And this this sort of holistic education in little, and, and little campuses in Brighton and Turak um, is not what they're willing to pay for, not like the old money used to, shall we say. But I think it's absolutely fascinating what, what, what Xavier is doing. But in the UK, it's, it's even it's even weirder because they're involved in price fixing, of course, between wealthy and entitled private schools. I mean, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to get Dale, I'm going to bring you back in here. Dale, could you tell us more about this? Price fixing during a coronavirus crisis. Yeah, indeed. I've got a, an article by Sally Wheel here um, titled Coronavirus Crisis, No Excuse for Price fixing, private schools warned. A watchdog threatens hefty fines if the UK sector is found to be discussing prices and discounts. The competition's watchdog has issued a strongly worded warning to private schools in the UK threatening hefty fines if they are found to be price fixing during the coronavirus crisis. The Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, said it had been made aware that a number of independent schools may be engaging in discussions with each other about the level of discounts and or refunds on school fees. A letter from the CMA to the Independent Schools Council and other bodies representing the sector warned that moves to agree prices and exchange commercially sensitive information would almost certainly infringe competition law and could result in fines of up to 10% of total turnover. Independent schools have been badly hit by the fallout from COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic, with some parents who have lost work unable to pay fees, while others are reluctant to pay the full amount for the online education schools are currently providing. Many schools have already offered discounts and refunds to try to keep families on board and stay afloat. 
while the bigger, more established schools will most likely survive, there are fears that smaller schools, which may already have been facing difficulties, will go to the wall as a result of the crisis. The CMA letter, written by its senior director, Howard Cartledge, and obtained by the private school's policy reform think tank, acknowledged that in the current crisis, there may be a need for increased cooperation between businesses to ensure the supply of scarce products and services. This, however, did not give businesses a free pass to engage in non-essential collusion, he warned. He told sector leaders, we are sure that you share, your con- share our concerns, not just about the unacceptability of anti-competitive practices in the current circumstances, but also the risk of undermining public trust more widely across the independent school sector. It is therefore vital that any poor behaviour is nipped in the bud now. Robert Verkaik, a co-founder of private school policy reform, said families who paid school fees would be dismayed by the revelation. Those parents who have spent tens of thousands of pounds to send their children to an independent school will be rightly very angry if some of the schools are working against their interests by setting uncompetitive fees. It would not be the first time private schools have fallen foul of competition laws. In 2006, the Office of Fair Trading which preceded the CMA, ruled that 50 fee-paying independent schools, including Eton College, Harrow and Winchester, had breached competition law by systematically exchanging information about pricing intentions. Each school was fined £10,000. The CMA letter, dated 17th of April, was also sent to other representative bodies in the sector, including the Headmasters and Headmistresses Conference and the Independent Schools Association. They have been contacted for comment. A CMA spokesperson said, where cooperation amongst businesses or other organisations is necessary to protect consumers in the coronavirus outbreak, The CMA will not take enforcement action, but we will not tolerate organisations agreeing prices or exchanging commercially sensitive information on future pricing or business strategies with their competitors where this is not necessary to meet the needs of the current situation. We welcome the confirmation by the independent school's representative bodies to whom we have written that they are urging competition law compliance on their members. The ISC's Chief Executive, Julie Robinson, responded, We know of no evidence that schools are deliberately sharing information with each other and the CMA acknowledges that schools are striving to do the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's just a... I mean, I'm the climbing school Edwards here. I just want to send out a message to you all. 
to stop the spread of COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, it is advised that you keep 1.5 metres away from each other. Follow rules on social gatherings. Wash your hands when appropriate and stay home if you're feeling sick or unwell. But most of all, keep strong, stay safe. And of course, keep listening to 3CR Community Radio to keep connected to the community. We'll get through this and hope to see you real soon. Bye. On the floating ocean's oceans, I did all my best to smile to your cigars with fingers drew me their qualifications, their pay, their pensions, 
and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. We're proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the www.s at 3cr.org.au. AU. Um, also at our, um, uh, our, our website, which is www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Um, is that, I'm going to talk to you about well, what they consider to be zealous and the idea of nationalising private schools during a pandemic when they're a drain on the public purse in any case. Um, there's various options presented, but I'd like to talk to you about an, um, a sort of a bit of audio, an article in The Guardian. Um, the article in The Guardian is a fascinating article, I have to say, I really do. It's by Melissa Ben. Just have a listen to this. The thing that is most distorting our education system is the existence of private schools. State school graduates are still likely to earn thousands of pounds less than those who are privately educated. What we're seeing is entrenched privilege. Why are the people at the top, why are they ever going to want people like you or I taking the jobs that they want to go to their privately educated sons and daughters. We will have an apartheid education system in this country unless we do something drastic. There's an endless stream of evidence that private schools help make our country unequal. Only 7% of the UK are privately educated, but a disproportionate number occupy some of the most influential jobs, whether in media, art, law or politics. I mean, take our new Prime Minister, the 20th to be educated at one school, Eton. But now, a number of people are asking if this is fair and if they should exist at all. As a state school teacher, why would I not want the absolute best for the young people in front of me? Why don't they deserve to have small class sizes, luxurious facilities, access to this incredible network of alumni? Um, And I think that would make our society much better and much fairer, and abolishing private schools is key to that. But before getting to abolition, we need to know what private schools are and how they work. Well, the origins of Britain's private schools date back into the medieval period, the late medieval period, with a series of charitable bequests to educate the children of poor and rising middle class uh, families. So they started out as charities. But gradually they expanded in the Victorian era when they became increasingly for the middle classes and they cost money. This trend continued into the 20th century, and to avoid being labelled elitist, in the 1960s they rebranded as independent schools. Fast forward to now, and how inclusive are they? So that's 6,000 pupils paying no fees at all, um, out out of the half million pupils in independent school council schools. Turns out that means only 1% of people who go to private school are from the most disadvantaged backgrounds. But most people can't afford to go private. Rising school fees now amount to 50% of an average earner's wage. 
which is why intakes are dominated by the very wealthy. So while funding has been cut to the point that state schools are having to use crowdfunding and Amazon wishlist to pay for basics, a tiny proportion of people get access to the excellent support and almost unlimited resources that the private sector offers. Plus, private schools act as a direct route to prestigious universities and networks to some of the world's most powerful people. But discussing what to do about private schools isn't about attacking the choices that parents make. It's about an elite system that fast-tracks certain children. So, what can we do about this? Broadly, there's a few options. We could do nothing, which means there's no point watching this video. We could reform the system to try and make it fairer, or we could get rid of fee-paying schools altogether. Let's look at reform first. And the main point here is, although they mostly educate the well-off, over half of all private schools still operate as charities today. Decent. Has there ever been a more deserving charity? Many private schools say they earn their charitable status by offering fee reductions or free places in the form of bursaries. So a simple measure could be to demand that they offer more. But that would still only be a limited number of people. And these bursaries are often used to top up fees of people who are already pretty wealthy. We even found one school willing to offer financial help to families so long as they earn less than £120,000. Also, as charities, private schools don't pay full business rates. So getting them to pay the full whack, which is something state schools already have to do, could bring in an extra £105 million per year. Another idea could be to charge VAT on private school fees, since they're currently exempt. That could bring in an extra £1.5 to the Treasury. Or you could just strip them of their charitable status entirely. But what about something even bigger, like abolition? Look, let's not get too dramatic here. Because the idea of abolition isn't about destruction. It's about unifying and integrating our education system. That's what they did in Finland. Their education system used to be a mix of private, grammar and state schools, not so different from ours. But in the 1970s, the government decided to abolish private schools. It was actually the Finnish political establishment who decided that their segregated system was actually causing too much um, divisiveness, that they needed to establish a common school. We don't see education as an industry, we see education as a, as a basic human right for everybody. And that's why all education is free in Finland. It's against the law to run a private school or private university. With one of the most equal education systems in the world, Finland is an example of what could be possible. The neighborhood school is the best school because all the schools in Finland they are all equal. And what that means is that by making the rich kids go to school with everyone else, they grow up with those other kids as friends. And when they become wealthy adults, they have to think twice before they screw them over. Critics say abolition takes away a parents' right to choose. But does everyone get to make that choice? What we have now is... is a which is where educational success depends on the wealth and wishes of parents rather than the ability and effort of actual children. Choices are underpinned by resources. And if you're poor and disadvantaged, you just don't have 
very many choices. None of this is going to happen overnight, and there's no magic bullet. Abolition is just one part of a much broader change that's needed, from funding our schools properly to getting rid of all forms of selection. But one thing is pretty clear. If private schools stay as they are, then nothing is going to change. Welcome back. Welcome back again. Interesting, huh? Well, Melissa Ben has something to say about that as well. She says, from the outside, Queen Elizabeth's Grammar School, known locally as Quigs, looks like your archetypal private school. It has ancient buildings, impressive wood-panelled dining hall, and its guiding motto is not in English, but it's in Latin. Disque prodesse. Loosely translated as learn to be of service. Um, founded in 1509, the first year in the reign of Henry VIII, believe it or not, it's largely operated as an independent school for 500 years, apart from its spell as a direct grant state school in the 50s and 60s. With annual fees of up to £10,000, that's about 25000 Australian dollars, in the mid-noughties, well beyond the reach of most parents who live in the local area, which is Blackburn, Lancashire. But since Quegg's converted into a free school in September 2014, parents have not had to pay fees at all. The move followed a period of falling school rolls after 28, 2008, economic crisis. Today, Quegg's is oversubscribed and graded good by Austin, with its personal development and early childhood provision graded outstanding. Claire Gammon joined Quegg's back in 2002 as a math teacher and became head in 2017 when the school had recently been inspected by Ofsted and rated requires improvement. She put its newfound success down to strong academic results and emphasis on producing fully rounded human beings and the retention of an academic ethos, inverted commas. We have Saturday sport and we teach Latin. Um, we have three cathedral services a year where staff walk through the town in gowns and an extraordinary range of different trips and enrichment activities, or well, we did, until coronavirus. Now, this package certainly appeals to many parents. Vicky Hamilton, who had a son at Quiggs, and it was a private school, and now has a daughter there, um, agrees. Yes, she says, there are bigger classes now, but it feels like all the opportunities of the old school have continued. Science, language, maths, competitions, school trips, sporting fixtures. Behavioural standards and uniforms have remained the same, says Vicky. And there are other bonuses. I am glad my daughter is a more diverse, is at a more diverse school, mixing with people from different backgrounds. It's good to be educated. It's not good to be educated, she says, in a bubble, like her son was back in the day. Now, as one of 32 private schools that have moved into the state sector since 2010, the school is also part of a broader experiment. There's a fresh relevance for the private sector facing a severe economic battering because of the world we now live in, which is one of a coronavirus pandemic. In the past few months, at least nine private schools have closed including Boris Johnson's old prep school, as Jean mentioned, Ashdown House, in Forest Row, East Sussex. Hundreds more face potential collapse, with dire forecasts for one in ten independent schools going to the wall. 
displaced private school pupils could add to the alarmingly predicted shortfall of 380,000 state school places in England in the academic year starting next year. It seems certain that more private schools will seek to give up their independence and become states. David James, until recently deputy head teacher at Bryanston School in Blandford, Dorset, said some schools will inevitably be forced to be means to, to be in the maintained sector. If it helps to save jobs, only a zealot would oppose. The government quietly dropped the free school route for conversion a few years ago. This is the interesting bit and has not replaced it with any other established process. Labor, meanwhile, has indicated it might support conversion to failed private schools, but under local scrutiny. Now, with the private sector arguably at its weakest since the 1930s, many see this as a movement of potential transformation, with conversion of key elements of a broader long-term strategy to close the gap between private schools and state schools in the UK. Hans Berkman, head of Liverpool College, um, which became a state school in 2013, wants the government to make conversion easier. He says his school had to beg to be nationalised. But the free school route was, he says, all sorts of economic, technical and government um, reasons terrible. Now, Berkman says... In calling on the government to set up a special unit empowered to transfer independent schools to the state state sector, he is one of a number of experts in a group set up by the Private School Policy Reform Forum, which hopes to present concrete proposals to the Department of Education by early autumn. Government insiders privately suggest that the Department of Education has yet to address seriously the urgent problems of failing private schools well, it's not really their problem to start with, is it? And the conversion process needed to be smoother and less bureaucratised. According to Gammon, there has been a mentoring system between schools that already converted and those that want to make the change. And there's massive fears in independent schools. You have to be in a bubble running your own domain and you're going into a very different system. You can feel, if you're a private school, that you would lose power. Schools also need specific advice with financial planning, how to apply for grants and how to use pupil premiums money, she says. Now, what they're saying here, and I think it's really rather fascinating, is that private schools want to become publicly funded. They want the taxpayers' money. Now, these have traditionally been schools which have been independent schools for the wealthy. The wealthy have scalped. They've gone. There's no money. Business model for independent private schools in England is falling apart. Now, in England, the economic situation is drastically worse than it is in Australia. Having been there and talked to friends there every week um, that that I still have, the economic situation is drastic. It is dire. It is unsurprising with the levels of unemployment rate in the country how nobody is going to be spending their money on independent private schools because there is a state school sector. Now, the state school sector, they're saying, is going to be oversubscribed by over a quarter of a million, well over a quarter of a million students next year. Next next year for them starts in August. Next school year, that is. So as of August, there's going to be 
over a quarter of a million chairs needed in state schools. And there's going to be around about a quarter of a million chairs in private schools that don't have anyone in them because they can't afford to be there. So it is very, very simple. And even the private schools understand this. Nationalises, they say, so we can continue. Now, we would love to have and maintain all the power that we currently have over educating our children and be separate and independent. But quite frankly, no, that's not what you get when you run out of money. If you go bankrupt, you don't get to negotiate. And as these schools in the UK go bankrupt, they do not get to negotiate. So it's a fascinating process, I have to say. We'll be returning um, to the DOGS program after this. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people, and the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion. And it began 250 years ago, this year. Now we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed, but we understand what freedom is, and we fight for it every day, and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism, imperialism, is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year. This year, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org.au to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR station appeal. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Just to finish off the program, I'm not going to have a great state school, but I'm going to talk about a great kid. Um, my name's Abigail, Abigail Talbot. Now, Abigail Talbot was attending St. Patrick's College, which is a Catholic school, co-ed school, in Launceston, in Tasmania's north, right up there, you know, not Hobart, for those people who are Tasmanian, in Launceston. Her mother uh, was said the learning plan at her Catholic school suggested um, was not done in consultation with the kid. Wasn't done in consultation with the child. Or her family. Or her speech therapist. As recommended by the Australian Disabilities Standards for Australian Education. Because Abigail Talbot is a great kid. And she's a great kid with Down syndrome. And she lives with Down syndrome and says that her enrolment at this school was cancelled after her parents refused to sign off on a learning plan that the school just just did because that's what the school does. And they wanted to submit her to um, psychological testing. 
Now, Down syndrome Australia recommends that students work with the current year's curriculum for their year, Abigail's mother said, and quite right too. Um, Abby is currently in nine, but the work that's set for her was in for early years, probably prepped to grade two. Now, there's a picture in the plan of some work that was off of the very hungry caterpillar. And that's a book that children tend to read when they're in preschool or prep. So that's not appropriate for a student that's 14 years old. Ms. Davis said Abigail's underlying health issues included fatigue and debilitating headaches and made it inappropriate for psychological testing upon her daughter to be carried out. Yes, she didn't feel it was needed, she said. She's been at school for two and a half years and has also provided a lot of info to the school. This is, this is, this is Abigail and also her mother. Um, and we got this info from a grade six teacher that came from primary school when she was there. So they've got everything they need. They just need to read it. Um, and also the, her, her current speech therapist, they didn't ask the speech therapist what would be useful either. So there's always new information. The school said, no, we're going to counsel you because you're not doing what we say and we, and you won't do our psychological test. Now, I don't know if you know much about Down syndrome. The kids with Down syndrome are just like the best. The kids with Down syndrome, they are what they are, and you get experts telling you what they are means you can educate them to to the best of your ability. But if you don't look at the information as as a school or as a teacher, you're flying blind. It's a stupid thing to try and do. But this is the letter they got from the school. They say, I now write to inform you that we have not come to any resolution on the matter relating to Abigail's enrolment and that her enrolment is now cancelled effectively at the end of term two. Abigail's locker will be cleared out and the contents will be couriered to your place of residence, they said. I mean, this is just correct. Mrs Talbot said appropriate work that was in line with the Australian Curriculum Assessment Authority um, was always there in primary school, was there in year seven, was there in year eight, now in year nine, it's all just disappeared. But she said when Abigail started at St Patrick's College, everything she changed, everything changed. She was set what the family saw as tasks that were not age appropriate. When she started in year seven, she was doing counting activities, and the activities joined the dots. She was made to sit up and pretend to have a shop in her year 10 maths class, and that was great. She reported being quite distressed from time to time, but now, of course, they have cancelled her enrolment. So I don't know about you, but Catholic Education Tasmania and that particular school, it's called St Patrick's College, have a great deal to answer for. Now, the local state school down the road where Patricia, where, where, where this beautiful, great child's going to end up, are going to be providing all this for her because that's what they have to do. That's the law. They can't just go, too hard, bugger off, clear out your locker, and we'll courier the contents to you at your residence. If I was the mother, I'd be furious at that. But anyway, I'm sure you have to take the rough with the smooth because this is a private company we're talking about. And that's not something we at the Dogs think should be involved in public education. You've been listening to the Dogs program on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. And if you're interested in what we're talking about, you can get us at our website, www.adogs.info, or indeed connect to this show at the, at the website for 3CR, which is www.3cr.org.au. 
But until next week, from Dale, and from myself, Rob, and from Jean, and their famous press release, it's bye for now. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.